Hello everyone, welcome to Climate Change with Holly, this is Joseph, I'm happy to you connect with us again with, with one more episode. Um, today's episode we're gonna start from the beginnings of this topic. Holly is reading her book, it's called There Is No Planet B. And they, she told me that they had a special topic that is called climate change basics. So apparently she's gonna show us or she's gonna bring to us uh, the basis of how this pretty much start, what we can learn. And let's see. So with you guys, Holly, Holly, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. So this week we're gonna talk about 14 points that every person needs to know, especially politicians. So it's just some important points about climate change. So I'm just going to get right into it. So point one is that a global temperature rise of two degrees looks very risky, but 1.5 degrees is much less so. So no one really knows how bad the, temp the consequences of any temperature rise might be. The uncomfortable truth is that when we meddle with the climate, we play with stuff that we don't really understand. And so even 1.5 degrees might be enough to trigger some dramatic change in climate conditions, such as the collapse of an ocean ecosystem or an unstoppable flow of me methane melting, boiling out of the melting permafrost. And I, I, I can say that this is common, like... I heard from my, especially from Medellin, like the high temperatures is getting up every day. <laughs> my family, my friends, they really start to, to worry about it because yeah. everything is just hot. A temperature rise of two degrees could be very dangerous and to keep to a comfortable risk level, we should cut emissions um, so as to limit temperature change to just 1.5. That's sort of everyone's... There's a widespread scientific agreement that 1.5 is like the maximum sort of temperature rise that we should probably be looking at because if we go higher, it could just be really dangerous and it could just be a trigger point for like an unstoppable temperature rising. Okay. Um, yeah. Point two is that as long as we don't trigger a step change, in the climate temperature rise corresponds roughly with the total amount of carbon we have ever burned so in other words it is the cumulative emissions that matter most any temp any amount of temperature rise will be determined roughly speaking by our carbon budget so the more carbon we release the higher the temperature will rise all right um i don't know i just wondering if it's any other option a part of carbon that we can might think about the future. So we should look at a carbon budget. All the carbon budget estimates only relate to CO two and are based on background assumptions of what will be happening with other CO with other greenhouse gases. So we need to just try limit our carbon and also think about other greenhouse gases as well, such as methane, because they also have an impact and also very importantly they affect the speed within which the global temperature rises okay 
Um, point three, emissions of carbon dioxide, the most important greenhouse gas, have grown exponentially for 160 years. So that means every year carbon emissions have increased just massively. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we have like a little chart here and it starts from increasing really point in 1931, go to 2011. To the 40,000 emissions, yeah, could we say? Yep, okay, all right. Point four we have not yet dented the carbon curve. People got quite excited about the last three recent years of flattening emissions. Sadly, this was little, there was little statistical significance in this. In other words, the slight dip below the growth trend was well within the usual noise. So what do you mean? It was just more like noise contamination yeah. involving in this part? Yeah, so it looked like we weren't going up, but then in 2017 the emissions actually jumped 2% higher, putting to rest any reason for optimism uh, based on the three the previous three years. So there is little or no basis to the the claim that humans have dented the curb of carbon emissions it looks clear that actions to date have resulted in zero agency stark but true and if we want it to be otherwise we'd better face it okay number f point number five at the current rate of carbon emissions the remaining viable carbon budget for both 1.5 and 2 degrees is dwindling quickly Point number six, it takes a long time to put the brakes on. Steering the climate is not like steering a, a racing car. It's no good waiting until we start getting nasty weather before we take action because our climate reacts like an oil tanker. To get to the point, imagine if everyone in the world decided right now that we had to put the brakes on climate change on as fast as we could. We would first need to make a plan and then start implementing it before emissions would even start to fall. During these phases, we'd still be making things worse and every day committing ourselves to yet more temperature change. Even once we've reached zero emissions, we would have to wait further with our fingers crossed as to the severity of the symptoms we encouraged, we encountered while the temperature carried on rising for a bit. Because the world's ice will continue melting long after the temperature begins its long journey back to pre-industrial levels, if we succeeded in developing the technology to take carbon out of the atmosphere, then we might be able to stabilise temperatures quite quickly and hopefully even get them back down. But without this, we would still have a few more decades of further rise before the equilibrium was ever reached. So apparently the plan is being based in the technology that we came from, yeah, from the humanity to solve this kind of problems. Well, what they're saying there is that even if we have zero emissions now, the temperature will still keep rising from all the emissions that are in the atmosphere now. Uh, so it could uh, be 10 years before, you know, we see the effects of, and we're not at zero emissions, they're still increasing them. So. What he's saying is we need to start now. We need to look at getting zero emissions now so that in 10 years it's not a catastrophic disaster. Okay.
Don't need to keep on mine. Yeah. So it says here, as a species, we're not good enough at doing that. This is one of the most serious skill deficits for humanity in the Anthropocene. The poor capacity for planning ahead. Point seven, all the fuel that gets dug up and gets burned. So it has to stay in the ground instead. So here's a point that took the politics the political world so long to start getting its head around and it isn't even there yet once fuel leaves the ground it all gets burned to meet a consumer need the carbon footprint of extracted fuel is about equal to the carbon footprint of burned fuels and the carbon footprint of all consumer goods and services it works like three carriages of a train coupled together they push each other along ensuring that they all travel at the same speed either we slow them all down or nothing will happen we need to stop extracting oil which goes into making plastic however adding to the already vast amount that is clogging up our planet point eight many of the things we assume might help haven't the balloon squeezing, or to be give it a proper name, the rebound effect, describes the import the unfortunate tendency of savings in one place only to get counteracted by adjustments elsewhere in the system. A lot of people think they understand the rebounds effects, still vastly underestimate their true significance. An example of this, just to give a sense of how it works, if you buy a more efficient car, here are some of the ways in which the carbon savings might get lost. You might drive further, you probably spend any money you save on other things that have a carbon footprint. The fuel stations adjust their prices slightly and sell more to others. Car manufacturers adjust their marketing pitch to sell their higher carbon cars to other people. The oil industry adjusts its sales and become more likely you become more likely to live further from the city in a larger property that requires more heating. Your increased miles increases the requirement for road maintenance and so on. You can't possibly list every one of these effects, let alone quantify each one. Uh, it's made me think that every, every step that we make is open a new full budget of opportunities but with these opportunities it's getting more mess exactly they're saying there's a rebound effect so just say someone switches to renewables they're saying you know electricity prices for others might increase or they'll find other ways to use fossil fuels and like it's i read in the book earlier that like with every new energy we discover so like gas coal it doesn't increase the energies we had before it just adds on top so we just keep creating more energy so it's not like renewables will in themselves stop people using coal they'll just add extra on top of that so we really need to implement a system that stops us from getting fossil fuels out of the ground okay. which brings us to point nine growing renewables while essential won't be enough to deal with climate change alone so new technologies have enabled us to increase the supply more and less continuously. Renewables can make it easier for us to stop using coal, oil and gas, but they will not make it happen on its own. Point 10. 
We urgently need a working a global agreement to leave the fuel in the ground. Little actions by individuals, companies and countries won't cut the carbon emissions on their own because of the rebound effects. The easiest place to put the brakes on is on the point of extraction. However, challenging this however challenging this might be, it is still the easiest way. Constraining carbon to the point of emissions is also a possible route, but it's harder to monitor and it provides a lot more possibilities for the balloon to expand in places that we fail to squeeze. Point, point 11, we need to manage other gases too. To give an idea of how important other gases are, the latest modelling suggests that the difference between strong action on non-CO2 gases and less strong action would be to add about 40 gigatons of carbon to the remaining budget of 1.5 degrees. That is about four years worth of today's CO2 emissions. Remember that all the carbon budgets are based on assumptions about levels of actions on all other gases as well. Point 12. Extracting and burning fossil fuel has to become too expensive, illegal or both. The easiest way of making it too expensive is to have a carbon price and it will need to be a big one, a few hundred dollars per tonne quite soon. People who say this is too difficult to achieve fail to put forward equally effective solutions that would be effective enough. At least with the carbon price, all the difficulties are up front. Once it is in place and backed by adequate enforcement mechanisms, the hardest part might be over. Point 13. The global deal will need to work for everyone. Everyone has to be on one side because just a few weak links will break the whole thing down. This makes it incredibly challenging deals deal to bring about but the difficulty does not make it any less essential. A global deal is going to be challenging to reach because it requires both understanding of the different implications for each country and a sense of international fair play that the world has never yet known. These difficulties do not change the reality that we must have that deal to save the earth. Point 14. We need to take carbon back out of the atmosphere. Our ability to apply the brakes is so poor and the need so urgent that it is clear we will need a reverse gear. I'm not just talking about taking carbon out of factory chimneys. What I mean is we need to develop ways to actually take it out of the air that we breathe. We don't quite know how to do it on the required scale yet but it looks likely that with some serious investment we would s that serious investment would sort that out too even with the technology sorted out it will always be costly to do so but a carbon price can sort out this problem finally on this point don't fall into the trap or allow others to do so of thinking even for a second that carbon scrubbing might mean we don't need to be so concerned about cutting emissions Okay, well, this is a lot of bunch of information that uh, I think it's good just keep it in mind. Keep it in mind could be like just some solutions that this author explained his book about some of the basics of the climate change or 
how the climate is affected but this and what we can do cut carbon emissions put in measures in place that make it illegal to take fossil fuels out of the ground we need renewables as well as a carbon pricing Those yeah i think that's a good way for the new technologies especially with the re renewable energies I think that's a, one of the biggest points that climate change is looking for, renewable energies. It's more clean, healthy, um, healthy for the environment and for everyone. So um, I just want to say thank you to Holly for bringing this uh, information to me, to the audience. Thank you for, yeah, to, to share it with, with, yeah, to share it with that. Um, I don't know, Holly, if you have any final thoughts for this episode. I think just a lot of deep information is something that probably is out of our hands, but we can still know what's going on or what the climate change needs, especially talking about the, the renewable energies or where the energies came from. Yeah, so these are quite big facts, but I guess the message is just that we need a global deal that stops carbon going into the atmosphere. So, yeah. you know, we need solutions and we need them now. Okay, Holly, thank you again very much. Thank you. And thank you for the listeners. Thank you for being here in this episode. I hope you like it and I hope you uh, this information can be useful for you. Um, thank you very much. Share this episode with everyone that you think is going to listen and enjoy it. Um, see you the next episode. Mm -hmm.